Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network and host of the Bucks in 60 podcast or show, or I don't know, is it a radio show, podcast, a bit of both? But yeah, he's back. A bit of both, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, you're back again, second time this week. I thought it was a good time to talk, actually, because uh, the East had a pretty major move today. I was stunned. Um... That it, that it came about this quickly, that I saw the tweet from Woj, and we knew things were going well. And look, as soon as the Clippers fired Doc, you knew Doc was going to move to the top of the list for just about everybody that was looking for a coach. Um, but for this to come together as quickly as it did for Philly, I was a little surprised to see the news today. So Doc Rivers is going to be the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers next season. And we're just going to run through uh, the state of the East, basically, as it currently stands, uh, looking to how it may look uh, next season. Because uh, the one thing I just said to Justin before we started recording here, uh, it's not going to get any easier in the East. There is teams that are going to be making moves, teams looking to take uh, the next step again. So I think when I look at this NBA season and I look at the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, this is why... The 2020 season feels like such a wasted opportunity for the Bucs because, again, it might be in terms of the level of competition in the conference, it, it could well be uh, the best chance they had in terms of clearly being the, the best team in the conference. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's going to be like that for a lot of teams where uh, I think really the teams that would probably feel the best about themselves in the East right now are, I guess – Miami, because it seems like they were a little ahead of schedule, and um, Brooklyn, given what they have coming back. But, you know, the Bucs, obviously the question marks over what is the team going to look like coming into the year, and then uh, what is the rest of the East going to look like with the the Sixers, where I I think they feel much better now that they have their coach, but there's still question marks around them. And even the Celtics, where, uh, you know, I guess on the one hand, you could make the argument that maybe the Celtics were a, a bit ahead of schedule too, and that you know, I already saw most Boston fans saying, hey, if you would have told me before the season we would uh, make it to the conference finals and be just a couple of games short of the finals, I'll take that. But, you know, if you're the Celtics, I think a lot of things were exposed in that series too and questions that need to be answered. And, you know, the East isn't going to be what we've traditionally seen from it, where I think it is, you know, we started to see it last year too, where we noticed, you know, Miami technically the five seed, but to some extent with Indiana too, last few years, we saw one through six was pretty tough. It's only going to get tougher next year. So correct me if, if you think, uh, or certainly interrupt me if you think you, I'm wrong here or you have a different opinion on Doc Rivers, but the one thing about Doc that I think has always been well-documented and, and well-known around the league is the fact that he is such a good relationship guy. He always gets on with these players. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what happened with the Clippers. We don't know if there was some sort of turmoil there within the locker room. It was kind of a rocky situation there, but 
uh, that's kind of been his selling point. He's a guy that can get guys to come and play for him because he's so well-respected around the league, being a head coach. I think the other day I said 21 straight years. I think Magic into Celtics, into Clippers, now into Sixers. So uh, he's been around the block. But the one thing that I don't think has ever been the case with Doc Rivers, like I, I don't think anyone's looked at Doc and said, oh, this guy is just a, a, a maestro on the sidelines in games. It hasn't really been the case. I mean, think about the guys that he's had. The Celtics, obviously, he had the big three with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. Went to the Clippers and had the the uh, the Lob City, Chris Paul, and, and Blake Griffin. And then uh, as the years went on, obviously, this year, he had Kawhi and Paul George. So most of the time, he's had stars. I guess the one season you could look at where the Clippers really, really clicked was actually last season when they didn't have those stars and they played a terrific brand of basketball. But again, I think with what the, the chemistry issues the Sixers have on the court, maybe my biggest fear was the fact that uh, they got a coach that was really innovative and willing to try different things and try and get this offense unglued. Um, he's a, a, a typical players coach where – you touched on the relationships and there's a lot of Phil Jackson traits too, where hmm. doc is one of the guys that uh, hands out readings and um, does a lot of team bonding activities. And look, um, you know, I think it's funny that the narrative has changed so many times on him where if you go back to Orlando and Boston, you know, Orlando, when he came from TV and joined them and then took the magic to the playoffs, there was uh, initially, hey, Doc's a pretty good coach. And then it became, well, no, Doc's not a good coach. And then you heard the same thing in Boston. And then they won a championship. And that narrative started to change. And, you know, then we saw some of the failures with the Clippers. And that started to shift back. And then I think he just earns, and rightfully so, so much goodwill for what he did throughout that entire process with Donald Sterling and how much he took on and really how much the, the organization and not just the players leaned on him. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you'll point to the relationship building that Doc does. Uh, and, you know, I think if you're the Sixers, your hope is, especially now after what this week, we started to hear more and more reports coming out that your two best players don't like each other. And this is you know, certainly nothing new that we've heard this for years. Uh, the number one goal is, okay, we need Doc Rivers to fix this. And just overall, it just seemed like something was broken and there was no chemistry there with Philadelphia. And obviously for the amount of changes they went through, you can understand why, but that's going to be what he is tasked with. I'm with you though, where I'm not really sure where I fall on doc. I don't think he's uh, great. I don't think he's terrible. I saw a lot uh, of Bucks fans initially like, Hey, it'd be great if we brought doc rivers back and, and bring him back to Milwaukee. But you know, the last thing a team that has fallen short needs is the coach that has presided over the team that has the most three to one series leads that are blown in a series. Um, I was really, really going to be nervous if the 76ers would have gotten Mike D'Antoni and he would have figured out a way to unlock the offense and get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the same page. And it would have been interesting too, to see what that would do to Joel Embiid and his offense. But that was the name that really concerned me most. I think Doc Rivers is going to make the Sixers better. I'm just not sure that the ceiling is as high as it would have been with Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, I think that, and I did have some people respond to me because I tweeted it out, that I thought that Mike D'Antoni, particularly just for Ben Simmons, I mean, unlocking that guy in transition and really empowering him with the offense would have been really fascinating to see. Uh, there was some reports out there that there was sort of uh, some some pushback from the ownership to Elton Brand. They had a couple of names that they were sort of uh, fighting over, I guess, and ultimately they settled on Doc. But yeah, I mean, I think 
figuring out that relationship between Ben and Joel, if they're both going to be there, which I kind of assume they will. I mean, I just can't see a coach coming into this situation because as much as we question Doc Rivers and say, well, what's this going to do for the team on court? We also just don't really know what the the impact Brett Brown was having on this team. I mean, he was there for so long. Uh, Where does he stand as an NBA coach? Uh, Again, a a great relationship guy. I was talking on another podcast with Matisse Thibel a couple of weeks ago, and he just went on and on and on how much he loves Brett Brown. Now, maybe Matisse Thibel understands that uh, Brett Brown is the coach of the Australian national team, and he wants to ensure that uh, he's going to be on that squad. I don't know, but... Uh, you know, I, I think that Brett, Brett Brown has been a guy that's had good relationship with players as well. So we'll see uh, what impact uh, that has there. Well, I, go ahead. And uh, not to cut you off, but that uh, you know, it seems like the way you just described it, it seems like we're going to be saying the same thing about Doc Rivers. Where I, I don't think anybody would argue you're bringing in, and you said this at the top too, you're bringing in one of the strongest X's and O's guys, hmm. and you know, relationships is certainly important, especially if there was as much internal fighting as we heard there was in Philadelphia. But if that was Brett Brown's strength, I mean, I think it's clear this team needs to either adjust their personnel or figure out how to better use this personnel. And that's why I say the the whole D'Antoni aspect would have been more terrifying to me in that I, yeah. I don't I don't know that it's necessarily a knock on Doc, but I don't know that Doc Rivers is the guy that's going to say, okay, maybe we should use Joel Embiid this way, that Doc is more the player's guy that gets you to like each other and tries to build the culture in the team and kind of lets you do what you want. And that's where we saw Philadelphia run into problems the last few years. All right. We've got a brand new product to promote today. It is Built Go. Now, I got a delivery of this the other day, Justin. It came uh, across the Pacific all the way to Australia. And uh, it's come in pretty handy, particularly for days like today. So I woke up or I watched Geelong in the footy final last night. It was terrible. They lost. I got about two hours sleep. Then I woke up this morning and watched Oakland in their playoff game. So just before we started this podcast, I got stuck in to the Built Go. And look at me now. I'm going to get through. I'm going to make it. I didn't think I was. Whether it's mental or the physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's very easy on the stomach. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. I can tell you, I've taken it. I love it. It's fantastic. It tastes good. Uh, It's just a brilliant product. I I can't really say much else about it. Of course, we have a good offer for you guys. Visit builtgo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. And now... A reminder about our friends over at DoorDash. I've been talking about it all week. Last night, I settled on the burger. I got a burger delivery for that awful Australian football game that I watched. But DoorDash at least made the pregame an enjoyable experience for me. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash with over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. 
DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. Which order isn't isn't $15, by the way? It's always going to be over $15. So you'll get the $5 off and the zero delivery fees when you enter the code locked on NBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code locked on NBA. Locked on NBA for $5 off with DoorDash. I agree, and I don't think there's been some pushback uh, I've seen in some circles where if you bring D'Antoni, then it affects the defense. Well, I just don't think the defense is ever going to be a problem for the Sixers. If you've got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and uh, and Thibel uh, as that teller wing guard in there, you have those three in any type of lineup, you, your defense is just going to be good. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but those guys are going to be just fine. So I didn't have a concern about that uh, from that aspect. But I, I think still with the Sixers, this coaching change, Maybe it's enough for the chemistry to, to get things uh, going in, in the right direction. But I still think the, the biggest fear uh, for you know, Bucks fans, as, as we've always sort of, sort of compared ourselves to the Sixers, I guess, the Bucks have sort of taken a step but haven't really gotten over the hump. Um, so we're both in the same sort of scenario here as franchises that haven't had you know, the, the ultimate playoff success yet. It's still the fear of them making a big difference-making trade and somehow getting out of these uh, Tobias Harris and Al Horford contracts. Uh, yeah, and I guess the other fear is: look, as you know, we've spent some time during the offseason here talking about maybe some of the handcuffs that the Bucks are facing and how it isn't necessarily the easiest to reshape your roster with some of the contracts. Uh, while you can point to maybe the Tobias Harris and, and Al Horford deals aren't necessarily the greatest. I don't think Philadelphia is going to have a huge problem, especially in the case of Tobias, moving that for something else. Now, you're not necessarily going to get back full value, but I would much rather be working with some of those contracts than you know, not just the Bucks, but some other teams that we've seen that are looking to retool. Yeah, so a guy we spoke about on one of the email uh, mailbag uh, podcasts we've had over the last couple of days if you did miss those you can go back and check those out we had some really fun conversations questions from from you guys the listeners and uh one of the names that uh that we brought up uh, frank and myself as we were talking through was buddy healed now buddy healed was a guy that i mean the thought of him buddy healed being on the bucks next to chris Milton and Giannis uh on this roster i'm like hell yeah sign me up uh, that would be incredibly fun to for the, really the first time uh, that, that I can remember to have a guy that is just like, yeah, I'm going to fire away from anywhere, anytime, and I'm a legitimate shooter. Uh, the Bucks just haven't had a guy like that. But think about what the Sixers could do. Uh, there's been some rumors around Buddy Heald, uh, and if he ends up at, at the Sixers, then that is the type of move that is quite terrifying for the Bucks in, in, in their contention because you have Buddy Heald uh, alongside Ben Simmons, obviously Joel Embiid. The big problem with the Sixers is they've had guys that – They'll shoot threes, but again, kind of like the Bucks, they're not like knockdown shooters. Like you don't really care if Tobias Harris is banging away from three. Uh, same with Al Horford. But if they had Buddy Heald in the backcourt, now there's a guy that you actually have to be a little bit concerned about. So you are uh, you don't think Mirza Toledovic fits that mold? Well, actually, you know, well, not a guard. So let me say a guard, but I will say Mirza Toledovic. I was very excited about. Uh, and that was really unfortunate. He was a guy that I was yeah. I was pumped to see uh, let fly um, for a three. Obviously, you know he had he had some health concerns there. But uh, from a guard perspective, the Bucks just haven't had that uh, that sharpshooter, have they? 
No. And it, you know, I, I mean, really we would have to go back to, it feels like the fear of the deer year where you would really point to, okay, they have guys in the backcourt that I feel confident uh, on a regular basis because, you know, I, I've heard other people put it uh, this way throughout the season. And as the season and certainly playoffs progressed, it's really hard to dispute, but the Bucks were uh, almost a roster full of fake good shooters where during the regular season, when you get the open looks from Giannis and maybe you're playing a team on night two of a back-to-back, you're going to knock down those shots. But when we get to the postseason, it's not like what we went against in the Miami Heat where you're constantly searching for uh, Goran Dragic and, you know, where is Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero? The Bucks just don't have that and haven't had it. And, you know, to that point, if Buddy Heald, wherever he lands, if it is somewhere else and if it's in the Eastern Conference, um, that's the potential of being one of those moves that we look back on a couple of months into the year and say, man, how did this team get Buddy Heald for what they gave him up, gave up for him? So onto the Raptors, they're an interesting case because I think that, and it's so crazy. I mean, the Raptors for so long were this organization that again, couldn't get over the hump. They're rolling out DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Uh, then all of a sudden a coaching change, they get uh, Kawhi Leonard. All of a sudden, they're plucking these guys left, right, and center that they've developed into yeah, really good role players and productive players on the floor, even in the postseason as well. So now there's certainly a feeling around that you just can't uh, you just can't walk away from the Raptors. They're going to be around. They're just such a great organization. You expect them to be competitive, but nonetheless, they do have some decisions to make. This offseason, Fred Van Vliet is an unrestricted free agent. Marcus if maybe he's going back to Europe. I don't think, I think that's... he announced today he is. Yeah, that's back. a fact. Yeah. I was, I was too busy watching the Oakland A's move on to the next round in the playoffs to worry about Marcus But Serge Ibaka, also an unrestricted free agent. So uh, I, I think, I don't know how you sit on this, but I think it would be great for the Bucks and potentially some of the other contenders in the East if the Raptors. Uh, get sort of coerced into giving Fred Van Fleet a really big deal. Um, yeah, well, and, you know, the interesting thing about them is, so Gasol, as we, we just said, announced today, he is going to go back to Spain and play there. You talked about Fred Van Vliet being on the market, and, you know, I'm going to be really, really interested to see what Masai does there because Fred Van Vliet is going to be one of the what, three best players on the open market this summer, just – you know, talk about the stark contrast from last summer's draft class to this fall's draft class. He's in line for a huge payday. And, you know, on the one hand, I guess it would be nice to see the Raptors have to overpay to keep him and put themselves in a spot, I guess, similar to where they were probably four or so years ago when you looked at what that cap looked like, especially before the, the Kawhi deal where, you know, there were years where it was about $120 million that they had tied up in guys like DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and uh, Serge Ibaka and uh, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Um, so that's going to put him in an interesting spot. Otherwise, they run the risk of losing him. And, you know, there's a chance with Toronto, as competitive as they are and as good of a coach that Nick Nurse is, that there's a pretty decent chance that this upcoming season it's just going to be a gap year for them where – Gasol's gone. Maybe Fred Van Vliet is gone. Maybe Serge Ibaka leaves. You know, you got to wonder at what point does the production for Kyle Lowry really start to dip? I think he's going to be 35 when next season starts. And they've already aligned themselves for all the cap room in the offseason of 2021. So, 
you know, maybe the Raptors are one of those teams that takes a step back in the East next year. And it's a team like, you know, Brooklyn that takes their spot. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my guess would be that they give Serge Ibaka, you know, one of those maybe one plus one deals, because I do think that they want to preserve the cap space for the 2021 off season. But Van Fleet, he's a six foot one guard. He's only 25. So he, I mean, and he's been remarkable. I, I really don't want to disrespect what he's done. I mean, we know firsthand, everyone listening to this podcast know the damage that he can do, but 17 points on 14 and a half shots this season. He was 39% from three, but I just can't look at Fred Van Fleet. And look, uh, health problems aside, even though he did miss, miss some games this season, it's a different situation to Brogdon. But the comparison I made is uh, I just, uh, there's no way that I could, if I was a team, or there's no way I would want my team, I should say, to offer him any more than the Malcolm Brogdon deal. I mean, I, I don't think he's better than Brogdon. I mean, and I might be wrong, but I just don't think he is. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I mean, that's what's, that's what's going to make this offseason so interesting is how high are you willing to go on a guy like Fred Van Vliet who, you know, on the one hand, if you're the team that's chasing him, you're doing so because he's maybe the best player on the market that isn't very good. Um, but you're almost putting yourself in a bad spot too, where it's so many times in, in, in seasons past, we've seen teams like the Bucks do this where you're overpaying for just an average guy. And, you know, as the adage goes, you can't overpay for a good player that whatever you play, whatever you pay for them, as long as the production's there, you're not overpaying. It's the guys in the tier of Fred Van Vliet where you do overpay. And then you set yourself back for what, usually three or four years, depending on the length of the contract, just to try and negate that. Um, and if you're, you know, one of those other teams in the East, I guess I'm trying to think of who even has cap space and nobody comes to mind where Fred Van Vliet is a guy that you feel we're a couple of players away, but he could take us from outside the playoffs to maybe a six seed or a five seed this year. So it really feels like it's either Toronto or the Knicks where Fred Van Vliet ends up. Yes, the old Knicks. It wouldn't surprise me if they gave him $100 million because that's certainly the number that's been uh, thrown around there in regards to him. So the Raptors were unsure about. We spoke about the Sixers. I think the Celtics, we, yeah, we probably don't need to talk about them. They're going to be good. I think we can all... Well, I think there's a lot of interesting things in play with the Celtics because it, it, it just feels like something's going to happen in their backcourt where whether it's Kemba that they move on from or you know if they do something with Gordon Hayward, if they get him... Well, I think they want him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, opt out and then do basically what we saw Al Horford do with Philadelphia, but leaving Boston to go to Philly if they do something like that. But I also wouldn't rule out moving Gordon Hayward because at some point it's going to come down to Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. And one of those two guys is getting the minutes because, you know, it seems like Marcus Smart is there to stay. And you're starting to hear more and more of as good as Daniel Tice was. You know, Boston saw we really need more rim protection. So if they wanted to do something and bring in some more size, to me, Gordon Hayward's the guy where there's an opt-out. You reach like a three-year deal. If he opts out of the 30 mil, I think it is, and you do, I don't know if it's three years, 60 mil, and you move him for some size. But that's, I think there's going to be something interesting that happens in Boston this offseason. I'm sure they would love some more size. I mean, I think the decision they probably regretted ultimately was the Aaron Baines one. I mean, he, he was a yeah. guy that... Uh, a big body that defensively um, is just not going to get pushed around. I mean, you saw what Bam Adebayo did in that game six. I mean, that just wouldn't happen to Aaron Baines. I mean, he's just not going to get pushed around the way uh, Daniel Tice did. I think 
you know, again, the issue for the for the Celtics. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, you hope that Gordon Hayward offs in and they can't do anything with him. I mean, I think that that's the best case scenario because, uh, you know, a lot of factors at play. Um, certainly, there's some people that suggest... I was listening to uh, Jackie McMullen. I, th- I think she was on the Bill Simmons podcast. I think that's where I was listening to it. And she was saying that uh, Gordon Hayward was actually just not even really that close to being healthy when he came back. Yeah. Uh, and returned in that series. So, I mean, there was a number of factors that played into his struggles during the postseason, but he certainly, I, I don't think, um, whether it's it's his fault or it's just pure unluck, we know he's been unlucky. I, I just don't think that he's an attractive uh, target for a team, and I, I'm not sure anyone... I, I think if anyone was taking Gordon Haywood on, even if it was just one year and 30 million, they'd be wanting to get something for that. Well, I think... Um... You know, for that, and I think it was the same podcast I heard too, where, um, you know, you just talk about Gordon Hayward's entire stay in Boston, that it almost feels like he just has to go somewhere else, that it's just been a a string of bad luck in Boston and one thing after another that's happened, and it's just not going to work out there. So you almost just, both parties need to move on. To me, you know, especially knowing this isn't a great free agent class, Gordon Hayward is probably the best buy low guy out there on the for any team that if you can figure out a way to piece together even if he opts in if you can figure out a way to piece together the salaries to get something to work out there that's a guy I would be and I would very much be in favor of it for the Bucks I just don't see how they can piece it together that's a guy I would love to get into my system and uh, you know even if it's just look maybe it's not going to be until midway through the year because of all the injuries and he's been rushed along we need to give him more time but you saw what Gordon Hayward did, and it's not that long ago in Utah where he was the primary option that if this is a guy that you can get to get it together and bring in as your second or third option, that makes whatever team can go out and get him, that makes you a pretty deadly offense. The Brooklyn Nets, obviously uh, another interesting case. We know, obviously, they'll get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back. Oh, my goodness. I, I just cannot wait. To see Kyrie the, finally has a guy that he feels comfortable playing down the stretch with. Oh my goodness! I was so happy when I saw those uh, those quotes coming out. Steve Nash, all the best to you, my friend, uh, with with Kyrie Irving. What an unbelievable quote! Now clearly he's just trying to I don't know he's trying to suck up to KD. Maybe he's taking a shot at LeBron. Who really cares? The one thing we know about Kyrie Irving at this point is he is not a number one option. He's proven that he can't take a team anywhere if he's the number one guy. So. The big question for the Nets, there's two, there's two questions actually. One, Kevin Durant just turned 32 a couple of days ago. So coming off an Achilles injury, I almost feel like it hasn't been spoken enough that, um, you know, and whether you like him or not, I mean, he, to me, he's just such a beautiful player to, to watch yeah. play. Do I want uh, him to destroy the Bucks? No, but I do hope that he comes back healthy because I love watching him play uh, the game of basketball. But that's a question mark. He's 32. And the other question would be when you look at, the Nets and some of the other contracts that they have and potentially some of the guys uh, that, they, that they might want to trade or, or move on, they might be looking to add a third piece. Yeah, and uh, I guess what Karis LeVert would be their best way right. of uh, doing that. And, you know, the KD thing is, you're right, that, you know, we're all just saying, well, next year KD is going to be back and then look out for Brooklyn. But look, I would still bet on him to come back and be at least most of the player he was before. But once you start getting near those mid thirties and up and look an Achilles injury and any type of leg injury for a seven footer, and especially one that's in his thirties, 
you just don't know. And we've seen so many players whose careers were either ended or they were never the same with that same injury. Now, I think the, the probably, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that KD's career is over. I wouldn't put him in that category, but I think ultimately what we're going to see is basically the transformation you saw with Dirk where mm. he just becomes, you know, the mid range and long range spot up shooter. But I mean, that's, tailor-made he's tailor-made for that offense so he's not gonna you know probably in all likelihood not gonna have the same burst in athleticism but you know for the most part it's his shooting and the ability to get off a shot over anyone that's made him as elite as he has been throughout his career so that's where he probably won't be affected but you know it's it's between that and seeing okay does he transform his game into what we saw Dirk similar to that in the twilight of his career and just you know, the whole pairing, because it's two very mercurial guys where you have Kyrie and you, look, you have KD too, who we've all ragged on him and the media has certainly taken their shots at him. And KD's a guy that, uh, you know, I guess, how do we put it? A sensitive guy. And when you're dealing with Kyrie and <laughs> some of the things that come with Kyrie, I mean, it's really three things that three questions that need to be answered. How do those two coexist? And then what player is KD and what do they do to bring in that third guy? And ultimately that third guy apparently is not Deandre Jordan. Yeah. I'd be shocked if there isn't a blow up uh, within that locker room at some point during the season. Just uh, we're going to probably try and wrap this up here, but just some quick numbers. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, 11.4 million in 2020 and then a $12 million player option in 2021. So certainly a movable deal. Karis Levert, uh, 16 million next season, then 17, then 18, unrestricted free agent in 2023. So Karis Levert, um, certainly I agree with you, Justin. I think he's the guy that would look to move. You look at the way Karis Levert scores, he likes the ball in his hands. He can really break down a defense and get his own shot. Think about it. Playing with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, those shots aren't going to be there. I think that they would look to move him on and get someone else uh, in that team. As far as uh, the teams that we've discussed here. And again, this is why for the Bucks, we talk about, you know, coming back, a standing pat and coming back next year is really just not an option if you're looking to contend because uh, we briefly touched on Miami, but then you've got Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Who else am I missing here? There's, there's, there's a bunch of teams that are in there. Toronto, obviously, a team we mentioned. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with them, but there's at least well, four or five other teams that will go into the season thinking they can contend. Yeah, and I think um, there's a potential, too, where we talked about maybe it's just the holding pattern for the Raptors that, um, to a lesser extent, we could possibly see the same in Miami where we yeah, know they're, they're just going all in on 2021. And, yeah, and, and you have some names that are hitting the market that you know I, I wouldn't expect. There's a huge market for a guy like Jay Crowder, but mm. you know, Goran Dragic is one of those guys, and it's a shame, too, that it sounds like his postseason is done now that – you know, especially a big series in the finals, and he would have upped his value even more than it already was. So who knows where those two guys and some others that they have land. No doubt. So <laughs> the point of all this is, uh, as we continue to roll through the offseason and get closer each day uh, to the draft and free agency, uh, the rest of the East isn't getting any worse. And, uh, well, and that's why... Well, and not, not to cut you off again, I would say this... Um, if I told you there's one team in the East that's going to make a huge move, who's the team you would bet on? Hmm. I need to try and remember all the teams right now. This is a very difficult. Uh, Cause it's, it seems like the obvious would be either Philadelphia or Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, it has to be the Nets, right? 
I thought you were yeah. talking about teams like completely outside, like who would push for the. Oh for the well, I guess anybody in the East, but I, yeah. I would really look at because even those teams that are on the outside looking in, I mean, you know, a team like Chicago, if they made a big move, well, great, you can move from ten up to maybe seven or six in the East. But the teams yeah. that are in the playoffs now, it's one of those two teams you would bet on, which again speaks to your point of you can't really stand pat if you're the Bucks because these are two teams that were behind you. And they're potentially making moves that could get them on the same level if they're not already there. No doubt. No doubt. It's, uh, that's why it's such a stressful offseason. And that's why we continue to uh, discuss it basically daily because I think everyone is feeling the pressure a little bit here with what the Bucks are going to do and how they're going to try and uh, get over that hump that we continually speak about uh, next season in 2021. But Justin... I have to let you go. As we're recording here, we are very close to the first pitch in the Brewers game too. I see uh, an interesting lineup. They're starting an old friend of mine from the Oakland Athletics, Ryan Healy, just batting in the four spots. I just didn't even, I didn't even remember he was on the Brewers anymore. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, that is the last act of a desperate man. It sounds like (laughs) that's like the Bucks starting Shabazz Muhammad in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very strange, but nonetheless, I will be watching. I will be going for the Brewers. I'm still looking for that Oakland-Milwaukee World Series, man. So uh, all the best to you, all the best to the Brewers fans. I guess by the time you're listening to this, the game will be over. But uh, just know before the game started, you absolutely uh, had my best wishes. Well, who knows? It's a West Coast game, and it could be going super long. So <laughs> maybe as you know, we're listening to this, we're in the 13th or 14th inning. Who knows? You can't rule anything out. There's been some long-ass baseball games over the last few days. Hey, Justin, you make sure you have a good weekend. You as well. We will be back next week. Who knows what we're going to talk about? Who knows what's going to happen in the NBA over the weekend and if there's going to be any Bucks news coming out. But remember, uh, keep sending the questions through. You can keep uh, going to the email. We do have more email questions to come, so don't stress if we didn't get to your questions yet. LockedOnBucks at gmail.com or the Twitter at Locked on Bucks. You can give us your feedback on today's episode. Which teams are you most concerned about in the East? And we can run through that as the questions roll in. But until then, stay safe out there. We'll catch you guys next week. 